0: Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity if we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function. You definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, and a very warm welcome to another edition of the ProcureTech Podcast podcast where every week uh, we bring you something fun and exciting in the digital procurement space, whether it's a practitioner or a solutions provider or an industry influencer. And this time we're actually speaking to a very experienced practitioner in the digital transformation space to really assess where procurement is at the moment and what is preventing them from investing in some of these really innovative startups and procurement tech companies that are out there. So we're going to run through a little bit of history and then dive into really some of the symptoms of what we see out there and how perhaps we can fix it going forward. So my guest to talk about this topic is my good friend, Kartik Rama, who also goes by the name of the procurement doctor. Kartik, very warm welcome. Welcome.
1: Hey, James, thanks for the welcome and it's it's a pleasure to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, I was looking actually. So you were last on the show back in series one in one of the earliest episodes. Absolutely. Yeah, episode eight, I think it was, which was way back in spring or summer of 2020. A a lot's happened since then as we were were talking before we hit record. So maybe before we jump into this, just set the scene. How did you get into this space, Karthik, and what's your background?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I come with a total of close to two decades of experience. So I was a procurement practitioner and uh, I used to do the reg- day-to-day regular procurement job as a buyer and then as a category manager and things like that. And uh, fortunately, I was that very organization was uh, in the trenches to set up a center of excellence. They also had to pick up a new tool. So I was in between at the right time. And uh, I got to work with uh, one of the best consultants in the world. And uh, that's how I totally got pulled into the procurement tech. back. Uh, this is way back on the on-prem days in 2008 and 9 and 10, I'm talking about. Uh, and uh, back then, somebody had offered me a job in a, one of the biggest procurement tech companies. And I didn't even know what the heck this is. And I rejected it. I thought, you guys have such a bad solution. Why should I even join you, you know? And uh, <laughs> after six to eight years, that very tech solution has been my bread and butter for a long time because I, I moved from the procurement space into procure tech space, and I keep jiggling between different roles within procurement. But uh, this has been my breadwinner for a while. Uh, the last, at least I would say, uh, a decade, uh, a decade, uh, maybe 12 years, I've been doing procurement tech consulting to a large extent, right from... I've been called upon uh when on second opinions where there's somebody else who implemented a solution and they've had issues. They call me and say, Can't say uh, uh, are we going in the right direction? Uh so I go in and check, audit, check the quality, check if they're implementing the best practices, and then I get held them, yes, this is good or bad or how. Or I've been called in on new uh, implementations as well, tech implementations where uh someone's uh, finalized a tool. They've called me and they're asking me to go in and ensure to look at the, the technology and implement all their uh, business processes in the technology through configuration, integration. So uh, on the procure tech side, I've played roles such as project manager, project director, or solution architect. So all of these functional uh, consultant, lead consultant, junior consultant. I've played all these roles over the years and uh, it's, it's been really uh, wonderful. And uh, once I got in this, uh, it's definitely one of the main reasons why I stuck to it is because of the uh, flat hierarchy. Uh, I, the, you don't have the same team on two projects. So there's less of a uh, bureaucracy or uh, it's not the same sort of people you're working with every time. It's new it's new customers. And uh, uh, you learn something new whenever you go to a new customer. It's not just one procurement organization that you're stuck to. And um it, it's just been, uh, uh, after that, I, once I did one project, it was basically people hounding me to join their organization or particular projects, tech projects. They just kept coming in because back then, there were very few people who were, had were ProcureTech consultants, so to say. So the opportunity uh, was abundance, and then it was a no-brainer for me to stick to it for a few years. And you've
0: implemented quite a few different systems and you're originally from India, but you've also worked in the U S and in the Middle East. So what systems into, are we talking mainly about the more sort of legacy suites that have been around for a while or, or have you also got stuck into some of the, the newer best of breed solutions out there as well, more recently?
1: Yeah. So um, it's, it- Predominantly, it's been the big, the big guns like the uh, SAPs or Arivas or the Oracles or PeopleSofts or whatever you may want to call them, right? That's, that's been the predominant work that I've done because that's what big organizations go for, right? Uh, but it's, I did want to get a taste for the, uh, the new upcoming, uh, startups in the procure tech space, right? Uh, very innovative solutions. And, um, I did work for a brief period of a year and a half with a startup being their inside procurement guy, uh, helping them because most startups right now, the unfortunate thing is they're lacking the knowledge of procurement. It's a bunch of coders or technologists who are heavily dependent on a customer to guide them in their uh, solution way, you know, and uh, maybe not all customers have that kind of a time or, or, or they, maybe they're too unique. And then you're a one, well, it's not like uh, it's, it's a one-time solution. You cannot expand it to the other clients of yours or the or the world. So I was there in a in an organization. It was an interesting one, and then I worked with multiple startups so as an advisory on the background. I have checked demos and I give advi- advice on what will work, what will not work, just out of my uh, curiosity or my urge to learn. You know, uh, there are a lot of folks that keep reaching out to me on LinkedIn as well. So, and um, I am on the lookout to be for. Um, uh, to help these organizations in their, uh, I know a lot of the organizations are very small teams, right? And they're got small teams, majorly tech, tech-enabled folks. So I'm looking to support these uh, new startups as an implementation partner or somebody who could give them the business side of things. So that's the other angle that I'm working with. And uh, I at least have two or three partnership agreements that are lying on my table right now. So that's the other angle that I'm aiming really at.
0: So you've got some experience on both sides of this then. So if we go back to some of the more established players, like some of the ones that you, that you mentioned in your answer, that you've been involved with implementations in the past, obviously they have a lot of strengths in terms of the amount of features that they have and modules. But what do you think are some of the biggest flaws that they have if you look at it in the current context of everything else that's out there?
1: So right now, uh if you see the one of the biggest concerns that most customers who are uh, technologically advanced or are no know, know what procure tech is, is um, immediately UI or the integration issues, right? These we have few of the things that keep theology and they're a little rigid to change, right? Uh, there isn't um, it's it's more broad minded or it's more broad the tool, you know. It'll apply to major amount of organizations when it might not focus on a niche uh, procurement uh, category. Like let's say, for instance, if it's uh, whether you're doing, uh, if you're procuring uh, R&D, research and development items or in the science the side or print media advertising. So these are a few categories that are a little different and you want uh, this specific nomenclature that needs to be followed. So you'll have to do a lot of twisting and turning in the configuration and make it, happen and still the customer might not be happy with it. So that's the downside. It might seem like uh yeah. but it might seem like if you go back in, in in the days of old, right, when they were only ERPs, you're fed up of seeing those blue screens, right? Uh, whether if it's if it's a, or a DOS prompt system or it's Nexus or whatever, right? We used to get but few folks enjoyed it. Just hitting the short curtains without using the mouse. Right. But uh, it's almost turning out to be like that, if they still don't change, you'll get the same feeling as uh, the old things. And at the same time, when these guys are trying to improve, it should not be like patch patchwork job. You once created something uh, totally different or to migrate from the legacy suite to the new suite, it takes a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds of the lag time of the, there's a clear difference in both of them. So even the patch job also isn't looking that great from a UI standpoint as such
0: yeah you mentioned a couple of categories. I would also add uh freight and and transportation sourcing as well is another one that's really difficult it's a It's a square peg that's very very difficult to to fit into a round hole so bearing that in mind then do you feel now that taking a best of breed approach is best or or do you still think that these suites have a future uh and it's just time for maybe a new more modern set of
1: platforms out there
0: that are, that are offering that sweet technology?
1: So, uh, classic consultants also, it's a yes or a no, <laughs> you know. Uh, there's no one way, because I don't want to be in whoever's listening to this podcast and saying that, oh, we can't fix that, that let me go and go with best of breed. But it's definitely not going to work out just by barging in, right? Some bit of background that you need to check, right? If you're looking for best of breed, you need to look at, if, if are you uh, is your procurement process very complex, like that example that you told, right? Where you said freight, onboard, or whatever, the, or let's say science, R&D. Is it that complex that a regular suite doesn't work work with? Are there any specific needs? And uh, how is the integration uh, going to be? Is it uh, state-of-the-art, even the startup? Or is it very essential for your business procurement process to be in the cutting-edge technology? do you really need the latest and the greatest like technology without which you cannot process your procurement? Uh, these are the questions you need to ask yourself, you know? Yeah. And uh, same ways from the suite standpoint as well. The other side, you know, I, I, is it more painful for you to have a unified business process? Managing these uh, six different best-of-week vendors, their contracts, is that more of a pain for you, right? And uh, the data, is it all what talking to each other? Is it you really the real insight? So it's, it's not just a very easy uh, project. You have to have a very focused strategic approach if you want to make it a success.
0: Yeah, and it, it was quite a loaded question, Karthik. And I, I sort of asked it on purpose, really, just to to sort of provoke an answer a little bit. But I do also think, and, and you're absolutely right in what you said, but I also think it it's dependent on organization size and maturity as well. Because, you know, realistically, a, a mid-sized business... Is not going to go out and spend north of a million dollars on procurement technology, right? And that's typically if you're looking at one of these big boys in most, not in all cases, but in most cases, that's probably what you're going to be looking at spending to get, to, to get most or all of their functionality that they offer. So, I mean, I think. Mid-market, it's kind of a no-brainer that they're not going to have the budget to go out and and buy one of these big legacy suites. But that kind of then flips the coin back towards the bigger organizations. And I was just curious to get your thoughts on why do you think that they're still not comfortable going for, let's say, a not so established procurement tech solution? Let's, Let's keep with the example of something like, you know, print and promotional items or marketing or complex professional services or or transportation where, as we've sort of both alluded to, the, the existing solutions out there that offer suite technology aren't really fit for function. Why do you think there is still a
1: reluctance? Well, uh, predominantly or traditionally, right, these big organizations are very, uh, they're majorly focused on risk mitigation, They want to look at scalability and uh, capacity, you know, in terms of the organization because they're thinking long long term. And also, they are very much, uh, there's a lot of a bad rap about the integration challenges as well. And uh, they're heavy on uh, customer references. And whereas these new startups might not have a strong customer reference phase, even the pilot projects, right, uh, then then the new guys might not have all that kind of, specificity, and there's always uh, having, they're much more happy going their tried and tested route, and that's the reason they keep going back. That Unless you have a few innovative leaders who are thinking out of the box, and even there also, I've seen people who tried and tested only jump in with. They don't just blindly pick up someone. They do a lot of uh, background check on
0: yeah, you hit on two points there that I wanted to just deep dive into a little bit more. So you mentioned cybersecurity or, or data security, and, and you also mentioned customer references. A new startup or a, or a young startup may not have a big long list of of testimonials and reference cases. I think you're right on both angles. From your experience, you've obviously gone in and done these implementations. Whereas I have, I don't have a history in doing hands-on implementation. Do you feel that the reluctance, or should we say the, the conservatism, at the organizational level in these bigger companies, do you find it tends to be coming from departments like legal and IS? Or, or have you also found that it's just procurement leaders that are very risk-averse and, you know, going back to the old saying, nobody ever got fired for, for, for hiring IBM or, or, for, or for sourcing SAP in this
1: case? Yeah. So here, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, procurement, yes, to a large extent, right? Because they don't want to take the risk of, uh, or risk of choosing the wrong solution and then getting a bad rap. Right. Uh, but no matter what, it depends on again the organizations, few organizations, it's IT's decision to to make the call or it's procurement is just being the site support function, giving their features or functionalities they're looking for. So it, it depends. But still, uh, all these departments, if they get a chance, they would definitely prefer someone who's tried and tested. They don't want to take a risk, uh risky decision, you know. If there was a risky division, they're three or four additional steps as to can you sign up the risk memo, this has to go to the CEO, he has to say okay with it because we're spending so much money Uh, our data is very important we're in the medical industry it's our patient's information, all this stuff comes in and then everybody's basically lifting their hands and passing on the buck the next guy to give a sign off on it, we got got these business processes which are uh, ensuring that you don't take a risky decision and uh, that's basically enabling folks to not take something challenging, right? So people just shy away from it.
0: You said it in a very diplomatic way but uh, i'll say it, uh, i'll I'll say it in a way that uh, I grew up in a coal mining town, so I tell it like it is. <laughs> what you're saying is there's a lot of senior people that have being paid a lot of money that are sitting on their hands and, uh, and, and, and and not and not making a decision that's perhaps best for the business and just want to take the safe option
1: that's right absolutely so people yeah. are people are worried <laughs> people are not sure because that's where folks like you and me come into the picture. If they're not sure, they should educate themselves by involving the right folks and take an informed decision. Unfortunately, they think everything will be available out there on Google or some other place, and they can take a decision, right? So they don't even know what they need to start with. And they're looking and basis not knowing that uh, that misinformation, they're taking decisions. And uh, that's where I'm seeing a lot of uh, uh, wrong decisions being take, taken. Yeah, I've seen for customers who bought products which they, for which they don't have a business process in their organization, <laughs> <laughs> for instance, they don't have a business process at all. But the the sales guy was so awesome; he sold them a license. Now they're asking me to implement it. I told the uh, oh, so what do you do today? He told, "What the heck is this?" He doesn't even know the business process. So you got clients like that and spend a lot of money. So we got to definitely know more about your business or under. Take a little time, and it's not a hasty decision. Like they want to buy, uh, it's not a, 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 a very simple purchase. You know, we need to spend more time around it.
0: Yeah, so I think that that's a great summation in terms of where we are at the moment. I, I'd like to look and glance a little bit more towards the future now, and and just think if we if we put like the mega corporations to one side, you know, if we put the Fortune five hundred businesses to one side. Even if we take this into consideration that generally people in larger businesses and enterprise organizations are pretty risk averse and everyone's watching their back and there are a lot of functions that have to justify their existence. Do you think that the tide is starting to turn? Because when when I go to conferences or when I speak to people in the industry, there does now seem to be much more of a focus on the fact that Typically, when there have been big digital transformations and implementations of some of this legacy technology, adoption has been pretty low, especially especially on modules that are not sort of compulsory to run your business. You know, in P2P, it's kind of a done deal. But when you talk to people that have, that have got the sourcing modules in some of these big suites, you often hear stories of them turning them off and going with the best of breed e-auction or sourcing platform to to sort of find a way around it. So, you know, do you think that the demand for a better UI, UX, but also on top of that, faster implementation time, ROI, could that spell the death of this cycle of people just opting for the least risky option?
1: Yeah, I think we've got a long way to go. And right now the stage that we are at is not best of the breed, not sweet. It's kind of a hybrid between both of them. Uh, folks are try, slowly trying to change. Uh, there are more uh, folks who are raising their voices and asking for a better UI and things like that, right? Uh, whether it's implementation time, ROI, whatever. There are people who ask the hard questions. The tide is turning, but I think it's still not, uh, it's a slow death. That's <laughs> what I would say for the speech, right? Uh, because they have got a large footprint, uh, they are accommodating to a large part of the current procurement space. There are a lot of people who are losing it and it won't happen overnight all of a sudden. And uh, it's 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 a battle of uh, the underdogs, you know. We <laughs> look at it between the young startups and the big guys. So it's going to take some time and uh, definitely there'll be more acquisitions, more people will be at the, because guys are going to acquire more and more companies and trying to trying to adjust themselves to the modern times. And that also might, so that's the reason I don't want I, I think it's going to take some time for us to get there, uh, where it's completely startup oriented. And see, the the suites also, they've helped to a large extent to set a base. They are mature solutions. The feature, it's start, it's given a base to these new startups as a fact. They're the benchmark, yeah. right? Over the years, they've fallen and hit and learned and it's, it's all in one place. But a lot of organizations, they, The main thing is, given the UI, even though the UI is beautiful, so for someone to raise a supplier request from an end user base and someone to raise a a requisition, if there's two different solutions, it doesn't seem unified. It's difficult to manage the change. There's a lot of things that that are going along with it, you know. The training is different. So if I take one uh, unified solution that's all-in-one, once I piece them sourcing it's easier for them to do contracts. So it's because it's the same screens, same place as the create button, same, similar how you amend it. Now, if I go from two different solutions, uh, let's say H- uh, CX and Tealbook, right? One has been used for diversity, the other one's used for supplier onboarding. Uh, they might have two different kinds of experiences where you click the create button, where you save, enter the header field, all that. So there, that's one thing that you need to manage. People should be okay to adapt to that change, you know, and you should be uh, setting the right expectations. And uh, then our ERPs, we always keep forgetting about the ERPs. So in depending on how bad or how good your legacy business process or VRP was customized, that's going to derive what, how the data is getting collected earlier. That's going to derive your ease or of implementation of this uh, best of breach or a new technology. So all that there's a lot of background work that needs to go in. It's not just, it's not that simple. Just to give a reality check to folks. Yeah, no, and I think
0: that's a fair comment. And and I do see there is more of a there is more of a, of a modular approach coming in now, isn't there? And I think having some sort of single source of truth for your data. And I'm my. I think the jury is still out on this one. Whether that will be a P2P system like a a Cooper or a a Reba or a Jagger, or whether it will be one of these newer breed, you know, vendor intake or master data management platforms like a Zip or a Scouty or a Tealbook or a Hicks. I think you could make the case. You could make the case for both of them. I do think, though, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this. That I think it was a genius idea on behalf of the suites to bring in a marketplace or an app store like function because that ultimately it's kind on the one hand it's kind of an admission from them that they can't be everything to everybody but at the same time it it defends their position as the incumbent player to say well hey okay if you don't like our contract management module that's fine don't buy it we won't bill you for it and you can Uh, and you can bolt on a best-of-breed contract lifecycle solution that communicates with our platform. So I do agree with where you're coming from, but I I think having done that and having implemented marketplaces, it's given them a step ahead to defend against some of these vendor intake or, or master data portals as a potential challenger to that role as being the central source of truth for supplier data.
1: Absolutely. And it's essential for these startups, like you said, right, to define what they want to be in, out there in the market. There are a few people, few tools that I see that they started off as something, uh, a particular niche area within more of a given space. And then they slowly want to expand themselves to the other areas, right? And uh, for such folks, it, it's, it's important you develop, pick, and build on these modules quick. Or the after is the best way. The partnerships with the other tech providers, startup providers, it's like a good ecosystem that you are really leaning on. right, like I work with someone who's a very good option provider, and I'd say if your option options is a very important thing, then you can pay as you go or subscribe for ten options per month or whatever may be the case for with this particular vendor. So it could be a nice bundled up package.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, and you know, even in my own business now, I'm starting to push, you know, offering what I do, obviously knowing my way around the space and having a lot of contacts to to help procurement tech companies to build partnerships and alliances with other solutions providers that are playing in a similar space, but are not direct competitors. Because I think to your point, it's almost like having a, a, an extra sales team without having to to hire extra people. And They run the risk, don't they? If you started out originally as a really innovative best-of-breed solution that did one thing really, really well, you run the risk of one day becoming bloated like some of the legacy players that we're now looking at and saying, you you know, perhaps they tried to grow too quickly or be everything to everybody and they failed. Well, well, not failed, but, you know, have in some cases been acquired or have had to sh- shed a lot of employees because they they tried to be everything to everyone and ultimately didn't succeed. And I, do you see that risk happening to some of the others out there as well that started off really slim and agile and are now trying to almost become like an, an alt suite
1: or a mini suite out there? That's right. And then unfortunately, I see that happening. I see that as a trend in the prototype industry. And it's happening to me, I... I See if you are looking up, looking to take on such a change, it's a humongous change. it has to be done quick right you cannot do it in the next three years or you should have the right marketing or the right campaign to rebrand yourself. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of investment as well so uh, I, I see a few leaders a few organizations that might have jumped in, in it a little too early and uh, it's, it's it's kind of you're getting lost in the transition as such. So, I've seen, I've seen that at least with a couple of them. So, it's, it's sad to see that. Bearing that in mind,
0: and this, this is my last question to close off, actually. And I think it's a good one, but it's also <laughs> use your cra- creativity here. How do you think the procurement tech landscape will look in five years' time, bearing in mind what we've spoken about for the past
1: almost 30 minutes? Oh, I'm just trying to go very, uh, what do you say? we got advanced AI and automation, right? It's a given. We're doing that right now instead. So that's going to still continue. It's going to take uh, more, better forms of what we're doing right now. Right now, we're just basically converting a, someone who's typing a document, we're reaching a bot, type it or whatever. But it's going to go more advanced. It's going to be more strategic for procurement folks. Uh, definitely the supply chain transparency, it's been and the news over and over again. To a large extent, right. So the blockchain and the supply chain transparency. This has a longer uh, maturity time, you know. So there's a lot of moving parts along with it, but it's going to be five years is good amount of time. Uh, ecosystem collaboration. The one organization I told right where I worked as an inside consultant with them. So uh, the beautiful thing was ecosystem collaboration uh, with certifying bodies such as uh, uh, certifying bodies of audit or diversity or whatever. So the, building an ecosystem of them and them uh, sharing information based licensing or whatever. And then it's it's like a, a proper way of uh, sharing data. And it's more authentic, more trustworthy is because it's coming from the source. It's not someone checking it and recertifying it. Um, sustainability and ESG integration for sure. That's uh, going to be a very, very big deal. Uh, mobile and cloud solutions, that's there. It's going to further... Go up higher and higher because they want to make it as cheap as possible. And uh, what else can I was say? Regulatory compliance tools. Uh, integration is going to be very big as well. Integration and uh, interoperability between different systems it's going to be much more advanced because of the AI and all the advancements that we have in the future. These are the things that might come to my mind. Uh, Maybe quantum computing to some extent. I don't know whether there's going to be a case or something around that, but that's going to be interesting, right? Look around that uh, space as well. So maybe that's maybe 10 years down the line, or eight years down the line.
0: Interesting. There's one that you didn't mention that I thought you would, especially being, being based in India, and that and that is the low code no code revolution because one of the things one of the things that i'm looking at really closely now and especially as someone who uh, from a lifestyle perspective plans to spend european winters in latin america i think this offers a huge opportunity especially to small and medium sized organizations in emerging markets that that can't perhaps afford to buy software that 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 is marketed to U.S. and European customers, if you can get, and even using something like Airtable or JotForm, you can get a pretty simple contract repository or or, uh, or invoice automation platform in place, or even a contingent w- workforce management if you're working with just a, f- a handful of contractors. I think this I mean, cybersecurity to one side, because that obviously throws up a number of other concerns, but I think this offers huge potential for businesses that historically wouldn't have been able to afford cloud-based SaaS that is aimed at more enterprise size or or Western
1: businesses. Absolutely. Uh, And that's a great catch, uh, James. So like we spoke ahead of the interview as well, I've done that with folks like doing small automations, whether it's uh, their in-house tools in the SharePoint side or the Google Drive or whatever, because uh, I've seen people losing a lot of money uh, with, without using tech. And it's a small pack three, uh, which is uh, creating uh, a sub, sub component of a uh, antibiotic. Okay. And if there's one, if the recipe goes bad, they lose a lot of money in one batch. So it's a simple issue, but it's because people are writing in a notepad and then updating it on the board, such kind of things. And uh, uh, low code, low code, such a I I use SharePoint for my, it's my friend's company. I use SharePoint. I told, how did we do this? It's, uh, we, we did a, uh, what do you say, a business process. We laid out level one level 2, level 3 business process. Then we called people and we asked for the problems and uh, we understood that this is the biggest area and we checked whatever losses they had in the last six months. And then I put in a SharePoint site where somebody with a little bit of computer knowledge was able to do it and uh, it's, the, the loss has come down to a large extent that he's taking more profits. So something like this. This is a SharePoint example but we could do something very similar in many areas and they may not need the entire solution also. It's just a small piece that they're looking for right now. And slowly, slowly, they want to increase and get better as an organization. So definitely the way to go. Awesome. Kartik, it was great
0: catching up and love to hear some of your experiences and what you're working on. So uh, yeah, it's long overdue and I'm glad we did it. Uh, Last question before we sign off. If anyone would like to get in touch with you, then where should we send them?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, I'm usually on LinkedIn. So you go by Karthik Rama, Procurement Doctor on LinkedIn and you'll find me there. I'll also share all my uh, different links, whether it's Twitter or all the different handles to uh, James and you can put that in your show notes as well, James.
0: We definitely will do.
1: Uh, Karthik, wishing you
0: all the best and lots of success. And uh, and yeah, let's catch up again soon. Thank you so
1: much, James. It's a pleasure meeting you and talking to everyone. Else.
0: So thanks again to Kartik for coming on and sharing his insights on this episode. Really interesting to see where we're going, where we've come from, and where the future might lie based on someone with hands-on experience of doing many implementations and working with uh, a lot of the big suites in the past. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. We are the official podcast of procurementsoftware.site. If you've not come across us before, then head across to the website where you can search and find over 400 solutions we're going to have on there from hopefully by the time this goes live in early September, we'll have... Uh, refreshed and relaunched the version 2 of the website. If we haven't yet, then it will be live in a couple of weeks, I promise. I'm just getting a bit ahead of myself in recording podcasts while I'm in the middle of a website refresh at the moment. But yes, we will have a much better UI UX up and running on there very soon, so please check it out and give us your feedback. Thank you very much again for listening. Take care, catch you again next week, and bye for now.